today, I would like us to tackle a really interesting question. I think this is one of the more interesting questions that I've received um, in the past. And um, one reason why I think it's interesting is also because of some of the assumptions that come along with the question. And, uh, well, I guess I might as well just get straight into it so that we can start hashing things out. If this is your first time of listening to the podcast, I'm sorry to disappoint you that whenever I'm dealing with questions like this, I'm not going to go straight in, <clears throat> excuse me, and give you a yes or a no answer. But I'm going to take my time out, parcel out the question, run through a number of fears, um, assumptions, and other things that are underpinning the question. Because I think when we tackle some of these things in a straightforward yes or no manner, we don't do justice to the situations because we have people coming from different assumptions, different contexts and those sorts of things. And so I believe that the best way to answer these questions is to give a qualified, well broken down response. However, be that as it may, I'm not a professional I'm not a mental health professional, I'm not a relationship expert, I'm not a psychologist, I'm not a priest, I'm not a pastor, I'm none of those things. So what you have here is my own personal perspectives to guys and girls who are getting ready to walk down the aisle and a couple of us who have been in the business for a while, no matter how long um, we have been in the business of marriage. So with that intro out of the way, let's get straight into business. So the question was, how do you ask for frisky things in the bedroom? Or is it better to get a mistress? Again, I'll repeat the question. How do you ask for frisky things in the bedroom? Or is it better to get a mistress? I'm, I am sure if you have been a listener for a while now that you can pick out um, a couple of things that I'm going to harp on as uh, some of the assumptions that go along with the question. So... Um, I haven't given it, uh, actually, what I should have done ahead of time was I've taken the question, you know, sat with it, meditated on it, and then maybe passed out a couple of responses and had a well-organized uh, uh, program response, but I haven't do that, so I'm just pretty much um, freestyling just to keep it uh, authentic and straight from the heart. So I can't really tell you ahead of time how many episodes we're going to use to break this down. But today, let's just say I'm going to look at the thing about frisky business in the question, frisky business in the bedroom. So the first question that I want to ask is, is there such a thing as frisky business in the bedroom? Now, I'm not going to go ahead and define what I think frisky business is. Uh, maybe if I had the fellow in front of me, like my wife has suggested, perhaps bringing other people on, we'll be able to ask questions back and forth. And then, um, you know, it be a nice way to have some of these things um, unfold. But in the meantime, I'm just going to go ahead that we all assume, I'm just going to go with the assumption that we all uh, understand what frisky business means. And so... Um, is there such a thing as frisky business in the bedroom? Obviously, the answer is going to be yes, because we all have different backgrounds, <clears throat> excuse me, and different attitudes um, towards sex. You know, we're from different uh, tribes, different families. So because of that, we're going to have um, different um, attitudes, uh, different expectations about what is um, appropriate in sex and what is frisky business or risky business or what is outlier behavior or what is downright um, abnormal. Now, let me give some examples. <clears throat> now, when I was much younger, um, 
I'll say my early part of uh, my sex education was from finding cosmopolitan magazines lying around the house. And, you know, as a kid, primary school level anyway, you try to read a couple of things, you ask some questions. And uh, whenever I asked my mom a question, <clears throat> she'd pretty much just laugh because, um, okay, I remember one of the more memorable questions was, um, I asked her what a particular word was. I couldn't pronounce it. And so she asked me, where did you find that? And so I showed her the her magazine and she was like, oh, it's orgasm. I'm like, okay, what does orgasm mean? And she says, during when you're older, we'll talk about it. And okay, this is a story that I've told patients. And so I'll share with you guys. And then, um, innocent little me, I went to go and ask my father. Now, my father was the, the one who would answer all my questions back when I was a little boy. And so um, I knew that if I couldn't get a straight answer from anybody else, if I asked my father, he would give me a straight answer. So I woke up to him and I'm like, Daddy, what's orgasm? And of course, he shocked us like, where do you hear that? I'm like, oh, from Cosmo magazine, blah, blah, blah. And then he knocked me over the head and started, you know, shouting stuff about reading my school books and blah, blah, blah. You know, things of that nature. Anyway, after a while of uh, me getting knocked on the head <clears throat> a couple of times because I was asking questions like those, I pretty much figured out that some questions had to do with the Netherlands as I like to call it sometimes, you know, the lower regions, the nether regions. And so I figured out that um, on my own, through no disservice um, to my father, he just was of that generation where, um, you know, he could answer questions on anything, politics, um, economics, you know, sociology, religion, astronomy. He could answer all my questions about, you know, what the sun was and how the moon <clears throat> and how the moon works and how that affects the tides and everything and we can discuss all kinds of governments forms of government and you know different economic theory but if it came to sex it was not something that <clears throat> the old man could talk about so after being walloped on the head um through no fault of his i just kind of assumed that if things had to deal with the nether regions then it was kind of like a dirty thing and um so Somehow, I grew up, um, but I found out anyway that my brother's experience and the ladies who grew up with us, who I call my sisters, um, we all had different experiences. So some, so they didn't grow up with some of the hang-ups that I did. So growing up, I just kind of assumed that sex was a dirty thing. And so because of that, you shouldn't have sex on a Sunday. Now, later on, uh, thankfully, before I got married, my mother would um, disabuse me of that idea that you can have sex on any day, you know, sex is good, sex is holy, sex was made by God. So sex within the right context uh, can happen legitimately on a Monday, on a Friday or a Sunday, and it's no big deal. Remember, I said within the right context. Uh, we're a Catholic family after all. So I guess that should give you an idea of what we mean by the right context, you know, the marital context. So, yeah, so she opened up my eye to that. But I won't lie that idea, since I'd carried it around for a very long time as a child into my teens and into early adulthood, that idea kind of hung around. So I won't lie, I kind of felt funny getting up to, um, yeah, I kind of felt funny, uh, you know, getting up to the good stuff uh, on a Sunday and sometimes maybe even on a Saturday night kind of leaning into Sunday because I'd figure, you know, Sunday is a good day, you know, it's the holy day, it's a day for prayer. So, you know, this is Saturday night, you know, we shouldn't be doing any hanky-panky. And, um, yeah, anyway, the bottom line, what I'm trying to say is that because we all come from different backgrounds, it's not, don't be surprised if you end up um, 
with a woman, uh, you know, you guys get married, everything is everything, all is good. And after you enter the marriage, you know, on Sunday morning, she says, no, she's not going to drop because, you know, Sunday is the day of the Lord. We're only supposed to pray. And it could be the other way around where you end up with a guy like me who says, hey, Monday to Friday, okay, no wahala. Saturday, okay, if we must do it on Saturday, let's do it early in the morning. Let's not do it in the evening, Sha, let's not cross over into Sunday because Sunday is set apart um, for the Lord. So that's one of the ways that uh, we all end up with uh, these ideas about how some things are frisky business and how some things are uh, normal um, or not. So it's not just the matter of sex on the Sunday. Um, um, inhibitions are also a good example of this sort of thing. Uh, for instance, good girls in this part of the world, uh, I'm Nigerian and I'm podcasting from Nigeria. So in this part of the world, at least with my generation and I think the generation before, um, there was this thing about how good girls were raised or how good girls ought to behave. Forgive me if I don't, um, if I don't use the right words or if I'm not displaying the right level of nuance here. Um, since I'm not a female, I'm speaking a lot, of, um, a lot about these things from secondhand experience, you know, stuff I've seen from, you know, friends uh, and relatives. So the idea kind of was like good girls would not display a certain level of initiative in the bedroom. So, for instance, in the university, if you were with um, a girl and uh, the girl was too, you know, if you considered... You know, back in university, some guys just consider some girls too forward. Like, you know, those girls who walk up to you and say, hey, dude, what's up? I like you, Alpha. You know, some people would consider that too much uh, initiative and automatically you just write the girl off as, um, as a bad girl just because she displayed some initiative in going ahead to ask for what it is um, that she wants. She sees you, she thinks you're an okay bloke, she approaches you and you automatically just say, ah, this girl is a bad girl. So... And some people that grow up with those kind of hang-ups, like, okay, I'm a good girl, so even though I want this, or even though there's this particular thing I want, I'm not going to take the initiative. It should be my husband who will take the initiative. And, you know, sort of uh, these things cause um, um, a lot of, um, what I say, a lot of tension, a lot of um, apprehension um, in the marriage. And so beyond this issue of um, initiative and, you know, what the proper roles are and who should initiate and uh, things like that, uh, there's also the matter of um, appropriate sexual acts. And those things are also um, also informed by, you know, the family and the culture uh, that we, um, the family and the cultures uh, that we uh, grew up in and I think when the fellow asked me this question how do you get frisky things in the bedroom I think was more of this thing in particular like what are the appropriate sexual acts um, you know what is lawful what is appropriate what is decent what is indecent what is expedient you know the different shades of gray here so I guess that was what his question was uh, centered all around so okay I'm getting close to the 15 minute mark so I think I'll just wrap it up here but the bottom line is, um, on the first half of the question, is there such a thing as frisky business in the bedroom? Because there are some people who say, what do you mean? How can you say frisky business? As in, we're married before the sight of God, so all is lawful. So even if I want to put it in her ear, that's none of your business, you know, or whatever. Let me think of another. Anyway, let me keep it PG. Let me not come up with other 
kinds of examples. So there's some people that will say there's no such thing as frisky business or married, so it's a done deal. And uh, my own answer to that is uh, no. Actually, there is such a thing as um, um, frisky business. And that's because we have different backgrounds. We have different attitudes. We've been socialized differently towards sex. We've been taught uh, different things about sex. And so some of us are going to walk in to the marriage with hang-ups like, I can't have sex on a Sunday. And some ladies are going to walk into the marriage with hang-ups like, I can't be a freak because if I let loose, it means I'm a bad girl and I want to be a good Christian wife. And even if both of you don't have those kinds of apprehensions, uh, you might still be thinking to yourself like, okay, um, what is appropriate? Does it have to be um, full-on penetrative sex or uh, other things that fall short, like um, heavy petting, for instance? You know, Is that appropriate or... Um, what have you so bottom line yes there's such a thing as risky business that's because of our different backgrounds attitudes and the way that we have been socialized bottom line we're all different and even if currently in this dating stage you haven't seen any differences rest assured that when you get married even if you guys have been doing soft touch in quote or petting or heavy petting as some pastors like to call it even if you guys have been doing petting now, you'll find that when you are in marriage and um, the chains have been let loose, as uh, some guys like to say, you will find that there are concrete differences and there are a couple of things that you guys will have to um, work around. Uh, no, not work around. That's not the right way of looking at it. Um, work around. I think that gives the idea that we are compromising. Um well, no compromise involved anyway, but in an open atmosphere where both of you um, talk about these things and are willing to discern properly, there's going to be room for growth here. So I think that's the attitude that I want to pass across. So, um, okay, now that we have uh, um, agreed, Alex, I hope I've made you guys come along with me on this journey so far that there is such a thing as frisky business i want to look into the question if all frisky business is bad is it everything that we have hang-ups over or that we think might be inappropriate or whatever is it is it all frisky business that is bad so i think that is what i'll tackle in the next episode so thank you very much, guys, for listening to the So You're Getting Married podcast. I'm your host, Abuja-based event and wedding photographer, Tavishima Ayede. I'll catch you guys on the next episode. And please remember, if you decide to quote me on any of these things, that I'm just offering my personal perspectives. I'm not a pro. And uh, I'm just lending my own, I hope, my own well-considered um, perspectives so that for those of you who are getting ready to walk down the aisle to be husband and wife, you will have um, some other ideas there that you guys might find um, helpful out there in the blogosphere and out there over on the internet. And for those of you who are already in the biz and you've been in the business of marriage for a while now, hopefully you'll find some things here in the podcast that will help to uh, reinvigor and revitalize the marriage. So thank you very much, guys, for listening to the show. I will catch you at the next recording.